this is Catherine O'Connell and welcome to Lawyer On Air. If you are looking for inspirational stories about women in law, then this is the podcast for you. Join me and my lawyer ladies as we enjoy a glass of wine after a hard day at work and talk about the world of women in law. It's my passion to share stories of amazing legal ladies who are working as in-house legal counsel, who have law firm roles, who are leading on boards and who are doing law differently. From time to time, I will also invite special guests on the show to share their insights on legal recruiting and tips for getting hired as a successful lawyer in Japan. I hope you will enjoy getting to know these amazing women who I am so proud to share a profession with. I'm glad you're here and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Lawyer On Air podcast. I'm the host of the show, Catherine O'Connell. I'm a Tokyo-based commercial lawyer, independent board member and a coach mentor to lawyers who want to go to the next level in their careers. Well, today I am joined by Monica Oyama, who is the founder of Oceana Law PC, a law firm based in Los Angeles, California in the USA. Monica was born in Palo Alto, California. She moved to Potsdam, New York at age two, then to Blacksburg, Virginia at age six, and after that to Tokyo at age 11. Being international is in Monica's blood. She came from a family who has historically been extremely international, traveling, living, getting educated, and working abroad for generations on both sides of her family. That traveler spirit is in Monica's DNA, and this spirit ultimately led her to starting her own law practice that we will hear about today. It's the practice that's based on enabling Monica to be able to have the freedom to travel while working. Monica was educated at Pennsylvania State University, Dickinson School of Law, attaining her JD in 2013, following on from her study at Keio University, where she attained her LLB in 2010. She is qualified in Illinois, California, and New York Bar in 2022. Monica started her career in 2013 at a Chicago-based firm after being promoted at the fastest possible track to become the youngest partner, shareholder and board member at her firm. Monica decided to pivot and become independent to serve her clients and to make a difference in the world. And so it was that she forged ahead and opened up her own firm, Oceana in March 2022. Her practice focuses mainly on general corporate, domestic and cross-border M&A, commercial transactions and intellectual property matters. Throughout her career, she has assisted foreign clients enter and grow in the United States, supporting them in all stages of the business cycle, from formation and expansion to divestiture and dissolution. She has represented clients in many different industries and of all sizes from Japanese publicly traded companies and Fortune Global 500 companies through to startups. Monica has also had plenty of clerking and secondment experience sprinkled all over her earlier career, working as a summer clerk or as a consultant at law firms Steptoe & Johnson, White & Case, Allen & Overy and Baker & McKenzie, and as a secondi at the legal departments of the headquarters of Subaru Corporation and Suntory Holdings Limited. Monica has 
many leadership roles that she is involved in. She is on the National Asian Pacific American Bar Association International Law Committee, previously as their vice chair and now their chair from 2020 onwards. She's also vice chair of the Chicago Mitakai, which is the Keio University alumni group. And she has been giving her time to Global Kids Judo Network as their board member since 2020, and was also part of the US-Japan Council Emerging Leaguers Program from 2020 to 2021. A native Japanese and American speaker, Monica has a wide variety of interests. As I mentioned at the top, she loves traveling, but she's also into cooking, wine tasting, gardening, Spanish, Latin music, dance and culture, as well as scuba diving, tennis and golf. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> Monica, yes, I can't wait to get started. Welcome to the show. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me on board. Well, you're I'm really in... excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here too. You're in the US and I'm here uh, back in Japan. And yes. of course, it's going to be a little bit of time before we do meet up in person. But if we do that, where would we meet up? Do you've got a, a favorite wine bar over there that you like to go to a restaurant or somewhere? And what would you choose from the menu? Great question. Well, I will invite you, Catherine, to one of my favorite wine bars in Chicago. Um, well, actually, it kind of closed recently, so I'll find a different one. But it was a nice wine bar called DOC, and it had a lovely selection of wine and amazing charcuterie boards. And my selection of wine would be a good old world red, like a Barolo or Burgundy <laughs> with some smelly cheese. And so you've moved through to LA. Is there is there not a local wine bar that you go to? Yes. So I only moved a few months ago, so I hadn't had the chance to really explore yet, unfortunately. So um, the one that I that comes up to mind is actually this one in Chicago. Sure. Well, by the time I finally get to see you in LA, uh, you may have discovered something in the neighborhood. Oh, for sure. Yes, I will. <laughs> well, it's so great to have you here. We were introduced by Mangyo Kinoshita of Southgate Law yes. in Tokyo, right? And Absolutely. I really thank him for that. How do you know him? I know him through mutual contacts at White and Case. Sure. Uh, um, it, which was one of the law firms that I summered at during law school. Um, but I actually... Should have met him then, but I actually met him after starting work. Right. There's a timing mm -hmm. for everything, right? He's such a great guy. And um, exactly. You know, Mindy Allen, who was another guest on the podcast, used to work with him as well. And uh, I've met him and enjoyed anything that I've been able to be involved in with him. He's such a great practitioner and such a lovely guy. Absolutely. I Thanks, Mango. Right. And yeah. so, Monica, as you just mentioned, you have been moving cities. You've been really busy setting up your new life and law practice in LA. So I'm so glad that we could finally connect today on the podcast. Right. So we talked a little bit there about you moving around when you were a child in various places. But in those mm -hmm. early days, can you remember if you had any thoughts about the kind of career that you wanted to do? I had no idea that I was going to become an attorney. Actually, becoming an attorney was the last thing that I wanted to do growing up because I did not like litigation. And I thought 
uh, if you become a lawyer, you're going to do litigation. And I, I'm not a very um, confrontational person. So I didn't think I wanted to be a lawyer. But then later, I learned that there's this other type of practice called transactional law. <laughs> uh, and that's what I do now. Fantastic. So when was that, that, you know, you learned about the other side of law, right? The non-litigious yes. side, this transactional, commercial, corporate, whatever it is, uh, side mm -hmm. of law. When was that? Do you remember? Yes, I learned about it in high school. At that time, I initially wanted to be a vet. Growing up, I always wanted to be a veterinarian because I love animals. But then I did some research and learned that I couldn't become a vet if I just because I liked animals. Um, and I changed my dream and I was exploring other options. And as you may know, in Japan, you have to decide your major before entering college by choosing the department you want to join. And I was set to go to Keio University and I was looking at all the options they had. And I knew I wanted higher education and become a professional in something. So I was looking at all the departments that were available and through the process of elimination, at the end, I was torn between studying biology and law. And coming from a family of scientists, actually four generations of them, uh, the world of science was very familiar to me. But law was intimidating because I had no idea what it entailed. After a lot of thought and having the opportunity to speak with a professor at Tohoku University, who really inspired me, I decided to study law. Mm, what was it about that professor's words to you that inspired you? Mm -hmm. So he told me that in this day and age where the where society and the world is becoming one and united. So now there was NAFTA and the European Union and all these countries with different languages, different cultures, different laws coming together, doing things together. He said that in this day and age where countries are coming, like doing things together, the function or the role of law is critical. And it really inspired me. And it made sense to me because all these different cultures, languages, people were coming together. We need one set of like common rule. And I didn't know anything about law, but it inspired me. Mm, so in the face of four generations of scientists in your family how did you broach this with your family did it matter that they were on board with you to go off and do law or did they think it was fine what what was the reaction there from your family they never expected me to do science and they never pushed me towards that direction maybe they saw that i wasn't really into <laughs> i wasn't really talented in it they were actually very excited when I decided to do law. They said that they were excited to learn about the world through me, like a different type of world through me. And it was actually my great grandfather, who's also a scientist, that first gave me that idea to become a lawyer. 
we How were traveling. And yeah, tell me about he, that. Yeah. So he was a scientist. He was a professor, like everyone else in my family. And we were traveling in Paris together. And I just I remember vividly, we were going up this elevator or escalator. And he asked me what I was going to do in college. I didn't even think about law. And I was like, hey, I, I don't know. I'm thinking about biology. And then he said, how about law? <laughs> you like people. You like connecting with people. And you can speak English and Japanese. So why don't you do something that makes use of your linguistic skills and your people skills? And I was like, hmm, I never thought about that. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, that the wisdom of the elders who, you know, your grandfather, who's a family member, of course, and, and can see you from that angle, but also your Tohoku University professor, mm -hmm. kind of looking on you as like guardians and guiding you. You've got to make your decision, but looking to people in the community give you information that you may not know yourself. How interesting, right? And exactly. that it was very distinctive. You were in that, what was it, escalator, on the escalator talking about these things and he gave you that mm -hmm. hint. So how did, what happened after that? After a lot of thought, I decided to study law. Um, I didn't know what I was going, getting into, but I wanted a surprise in my life. So I decided to do law and went on to, Kale University and studied law for four years with a goal of becoming an attorney. Initially, I was studying to become an attorney licensed in Japan. Yes. But growing up in the U.S., I had always wanted to return to the U.S. to study. And I also knew after studying law for four years in Japan that if I were to study law in the U.S., I wanted to do the full three-year JD program as opposed to the one uh, the one-year LLM program, and I had the option of going to law school in Japan first, becoming a Bengali, and then going to law school in the U.S. or to just go ahead and do law school in the U.S. And um, seeing everyone around me, all my friends applying to law school in Japan. Again, I was like, I want to do something different. And I just went ahead and did law school in the, in the U.S. because that was what I actually wanted to do most. Well, I'm hearing from you this choosing the road less traveled. And maybe, exactly. that, maybe that's yeah. the theme of today's podcast episode with you is everywhere along the way I'm picking up. You've chosen. Yes. The road I mean, it's so easy to do what it's your friends so are doing. And it's so yes. easy to do what your family have always done. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that to lessen the fact that easy means it isn't worthwhile. I mean, it's harder to make a decision in the other direction. Yeah. Did you move to the US then and do your three-year JD? Yes. So after graduating college, um, I went straight to law school in Pennsylvania and was there for three years. So after graduating law school, I joined uh, my prior employer, a mid-sized law firm in Chicago. Um, I chose that employer because I really wanted to live in the U.S. I wanted to live and work in the U.S. representing Japanese clients do business in the U.S. And that firm happened to be one of the biggest or the law firm that had the biggest Japan practice in the U.S., 
So I really wanted to join this firm because I thought I would be a perfect fit. <laughs> and they, they hired me, so I moved to Chicago. Fantastic. So tell us about those first few years then in the firm and some of the things you loved and some of the challenges or surprises that came up for you. The first few years, it was basically me trying to learn as much as I could. It was great because I got a lot of hands-on experience from day one. I was talking to and meeting clients right off the bat. I felt like I was being thrown into the ocean (laughs) and learning how to swim on my own. But because of that, I learned a lot very quickly and was able to develop relationships with clients early on. Mm. What surprised you then about that practice? I mean, learning things hands-on is a little bit different perhaps than what a lot of other experiences are for people who are joining law firms. They're often given things that are not quite so practical. How is that different for you? And how did it lead you then to, to, to gather your real interest in the law in a particular area? Yes. Well, obviously, I did have attorneys supervising my work and they, it was it was a great environment because the firm had an open door policy and I was able to walk into a partner's office and ask questions whenever um, I wanted. So it wasn't like I was figuring out everything on my own. They did provide me guidance and I would figure out a lot of things. How was it different? Honestly, that was the only way I used. I don't know what to compare it with. Right. It was your first experience. So that's what you presumed would be pretty usual. Right. Exactly. What were some of your highs and lows then that you can think about in those days working there? Some things that really made you so happy and other things ah, that were a bit challenging along the way there. Sure. The highs were the fact that for some reason, I was bringing in a lot of clients and a lot of work early on. The lows was, I guess, I couldn't travel at all. <laughs> as I um, told you earlier, or as you mentioned early right. in my introduction, I have a huge travel dog. And throughout my whole life, I've been traveling nonstop, always. And It's just something in me. And I remember for the first three years, I didn't take any vacation. I would not take like a whole week off. I would probably take a day or two in addition to like a three-day weekend where there's a holiday. I would take like one or two days, but not an entire week off. And that really prevented me from visiting family. And that was hard because my whole family was in Japan or in Europe. Right. That's hard, isn't it? I mean, for someone who's got vacation, like literally in your blood, flowing through Mm -hmm. your veins, that would be very suffocating. And I mean, we've all experienced this last two and a half, three years during the pandemic. And that was bad enough, not being able to see family. Mm -hmm. But for you to do that while you're working in your initial days, right, years in the firm, that's also really, really hard to deal with. Yeah, exactly. 
But you were a rainmaker for the firm, right? That was one of your highs. It's not often that associates are able to bring in clients. And so I think your grandfather's observation, right, of you being a, the people skills part is really shining in those early days. It's really great. I really didn't know why, why they trusted such a young attorney, but I'm very grateful. And to this day, they, all still, they are all still with me. So I'm very, very grateful. Fantastic. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you worked really hard and enjoyed those parts as well as the other bits that were a little bit more trying, but you were promoted and you got this fastest track possible to become, what, youngest partner, shareholder and board member at that firm. But yes, you decided... But you decided to take that different path, the road less traveled, and you did something entirely different. Goodness mm -hmm. me. And you went on to open your own firm, Oceania Law, in mm -hmm. March 2022. And I just thought about you when you said you were thrown into the ocean and swimming on your own and the connection, <laughs> the connection between that and the name of your law firm now. You're so all right. So tell yes. me, tell me, tell me about this uh, movement of being from, you know, that fastest to become youngest partner, shareholder, etc. Mm -hmm. Most people would hang around a firm, but you didn't. Tell us about mm -hmm. this story. I'm so interested. Exactly. I never intended to go solo. It was never a goal to go solo, but it just happened. <laughs> it was just the best way to do what I wanted to do. You know, as you get used to your work and initially you're trying hard to learn the law, but yeah, my, my goals, I guess, changed over the years. And the three, I guess I, I have three reasons why I decided to go solo. One is I wanted to provide better services to my clients. Two, I wanted to travel. <laughs> Three, I wanted to contribute to ocean conservation. Ooh, really? The third one. Yes. How are you mm -hmm. doing? Let's go through those, but let's go from the reverse order. How on earth are you doing ocean conservation as a lawyer? Yes. So I really, really, really care about the ocean. I grew up going to the ocean. I'm a huge scuba diver. And if I'm not an attorney, I'd be doing ocean conservation and oceanic research. So how I am going to do ocean conservation is I vowed when I opened the law firm that I was going to donate a generous portion of my profits to ocean conservation efforts and research or to do or and or to do volunteering work myself. And I don't think the practice of law in ocean conservation is mutually exclusive. And I want to prove that. Mm, how are you doing that then? Yeah. So, well, if it's just jet, if it's just donating um, my profits, that's just, you know, sending money. So it's not that difficult, but um, if I am going to do volunteer work, there are a ton of, a ton of programs out there that seek scuba divers help, you know, get their information underwater or there's a lot of organizations. So I would love to be part of that. Right. So you are doing that. Is it in your, uh, what is it, the profile or the brochures that you have or information on your website about that? I couldn't pick that up, but maybe it was hiding somewhere there. 
There is information about my SDGs commitment right. on my website. Yes. Yes. So the UN has sustainability goals. And one of them is ocean conservation and sure. research. Yes. Yes. So my ocean conservation goals for my law firm is actually hidden in my uh, our SDGs commitment page. Mm. Or if it's my brochure, there's a little um, paragraph about it. I didn't want to talk too much about it. I didn't want to emphasize it too much on my website or my brochure because otherwise clients would be like, what are you doing? You know, you're a law firm, but it is in there. I I was challenge you on that in a way because I actually think yeah. you might find it's completely different to what you think and that clients will love that you're doing this. I mean, I didn't know this about you until we've talked today and I think ah. it's extremely interesting mm-hmm. and I think you're unique and I, I also believe that it's time to shine and tell people what you are doing. And you know what? I also think it will inspire others to not only work as a volunteer, but, you know, donating profits from a, a firm, especially as a solo. Mm-hmm. It's a big undertaking. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're doing should really inspire others who perhaps are running their own business, entrepreneurs, not only lawyers, to be able mm-hmm. to do something like you're doing. So I would say ramp it up a bit <laughs> i appreciate it when i first drafted my website like my description of my website and my description of my law firm for my brochure i had so much information about the ocean and how much help it needs and the people that were reviewing my draft just crossed everything out saying that you're a law firm not a NPO or ngo <laughs> So maybe I should reconsider. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll introduce you to my uh, web designer. And uh, I know that she will be very interested in helping you actually amplify what you're doing. And I would, I'd suggest that she might even say you should have a photo of you in your scuba gear. Oh, my goodness, that would be go. amazing. Well, that would make go. me so happy. Yeah, that's it. It's going to make you happy. And I think your happiness uh-huh. to others. And my goodness, she's also doing that. And it's different. Mm. Why not be different as a solo practitioner? You've got it all there ready for you. So I think it's <laughs> amazing. Wow. It's obviously that's also running through your blood, like the travel part that you talked about. And that's exactly. the second thing that you mentioned, um, your reason for starting your own practice. So how does exactly. the travel side then come into what you do now? Are you traveling? As you work. I can't tell my clients, but I am traveling a lot. Um, but, I'm, but I'm being very productive as I, while I travel. So I just came back from Virginia last week. I'm going to Hawaii next week. And then I'll be in Napa Valley, Las Vegas, and then Chicago in the next three weeks. So I'm going to be all over the Okay, that's 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 traveling. That's for sure. That sounds really mm-hmm. great. And also going back to that first reason, then um, you know, better way to give services to your clients. Yeah. How was that different yeah. then from being that associate, moved to partner, that mm-hmm. you could do it better now? Better in your words. What does better mean for services to your clients? Sure. As you mentioned in the beginning, I specialize in corporate M and A, commercial and IP law, and I have to work with attorneys in other areas of law outside of my expertise, like real estate, 
you know, employment, litigation. And being independent, being on my own allows me to work with an enormous pool of attorneys and not just those at one law firm. And this I think this greatly benefits my clients because I can tap into so much talent and I can choose the best attorneys that fit my clients' needs and budget. And so I am solo, but it feels like I'm actually at a bigger law firm, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's almost like, mm -hmm. well, it is like my practice too. I do my stick to my knitting, right? Stay in my zone, but have this other network of fantastic lawyers who can support and you can select them, right? You can choose who you want to work with, a work alongside with and call them in when you need that help. So I, I hear you completely on that. That's great. Well, if you could then turn back the time, Monica, to that maybe 18 year old self, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old self, what would you tell her about all this? Wow. I remember being so anxious at that time because I had no idea what law was and I had just decided to do law. But I would tell her everything's going to be okay and to do what you are doing. But I guess the one thing that I did right is reaching out and talking to as many people as possible that is in that profession. Mm. And that's something I did starting in high school, I guess, in, inadvertently when I spoke to the professor at Tohoku University. But I continued doing this throughout college and law school, and I still do it today. I reach out to as, if there's an area that I'm interested or um, if I want to learn more about something, I reach out to people that are doing it already. And not everyone has the same opinion. So um, talk to as many people as possible so you're not affected by just one opinion. It takes a while to gather and process all the massive information you collect. But at the end of the day, make your own decision as to what you want to do. Mm, that's um, great advice. That's what I would tell. Great yeah. advice. Yeah, I think to yourself and to anyone who's listening, that's really great advice. And Monica, in your opinion, what would you say is probably the most important of personality or strengths that someone needs to have to work in the legal industry and be successful? And there's many different uh, variations mm -hmm. of what successful mean, but what is something in the personality or strengths area that you think is really useful for people working in the legal industry or to be successful in a role such as you, the one you've got? I would say commitment. Mm. So that starts with commitment to studying the law and then it becomes commitment to the service to your clients, commitment to whatever you're working on. Like, I think you need a lot of grit and to become a really good attorney. It's just commitment. <laughs> I think it's commitment. Commitment to self as well there? Yes, self for sure. Yes. And that could mean continuing the study, continuing development of your skills or your um, expertise, commitment to yourself translates eventually to commitment to your clients. So Right. And so we often hear myths about working in the law or in your field of expertise or going out on a 
on your own, right? So are there any common myths that you have come across that you've said, no, that's not true? In college, I was told in college that lawyers were going to lose their jobs because computers were going to start drafting um, contracts. But I don't know if it's a common myth, but it definitely is a myth, I think, in my view. Yeah, every (laughs) deal, every client need is different. And it yeah. needs a human aspect. There is right Absolutely. human aspect to doing the law as you picked out way back there with your grandfather talking about person skills. I don't think computers have been able to match that quite yet. But I you also so. you also have a lot of activities outside of law. So how do you balance those with your career and your broader life? Right. And is there some particular productivity hack that you've got that we don't know about? Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone listening to that introduction will hear that you just do so much with your personal and sporting activities, as well as your leadership outside of the law, or maybe it's inside of outside of the law. But tell us a bit more about that. How are you doing all of that? I honestly don't know, but I, what people tell me is that I'm always active. (laughs) Apparently, I'm just 100% committed to work and then I'm 100% committed to play. <laughs> so I'm like, work, play, work, play. So that's just it. how I am, I guess. 100% committed to work and also to play. And do you, do you mm-hmm. schedule out, like, you know, you're in the evening there as, as we're talking and I believe you've been and, and done some exercise before joining the call today. And mm-hmm. so how do you do that? Do you schedule that into your calendar? For example, yes. I know previous guests have talked about actually scheduling time out or, or going on walks and things like that. Are you doing that? Is that your hack perhaps for being able to manage everything? Yes. Scheduling requires a lot of discipline. Like say I'm going to stop working at say 8 p.m. That requires a lot of discipline, I think, because you could keep on working and working. I'm trying to get better at that. I'm Definitely balance, um, try to make balance by starting out my day by exercising. I Every single day I exercise before anything and I have a big breakfast, I journal, and then I jump into work. And then the day could get longer and I'm worse at, you know, getting off of work, but I try to be disciplined and, you know, call it a day after a certain time because I could just keep working. Mm, The journaling bit is interesting. Not a lot of people do that or talk about doing that. Tell us what that looks like for you and how much time you spend on that and what sort of thoughts go in there. And are you comparing day to day or what do you do with that journaling activity? I've been journaling since I was 12 years old. Actually, maybe earlier since elementary school. So I have notebooks and notebooks of journals um, that no one can read. <laughs> but I highly recommend journaling. It's very therapeutic to me. It helps you organize your thoughts Um, And the amount of time I spend really differs day to day. When I have some big news or 
um, something I want to, I can't quite organize in my head, but want to just put down in paper. It takes more time. Some days I don't really have much to talk about, but on those days I write out three things I'm grateful for. It's great, isn't it? I think that process of when you find things hard to organize in your head and writing it down on paper, it kind of slows you down because if you're having to write it, everyone's writing is slower than what our mind thinks. So I think that's a great technique. Yeah. And the writing down what you're grateful for, I think, sets you up for, you know, resting at the end of the day and also uh, being into the next day with a a grateful sense in your heart and mind as you move through the day. I, I love that. And I, Yeah, I'd challenge anyone who is um, listening in to start doing journaling. It really is a very Mm. therapeutic and invigorating uh, experience. And looking back on the books, if you write Mm -hmm. idly, you can read them back (laughs) later and be quite inspired, especially I find, Monica, if I look back on something I've written in a journal a year ago from where I am now, it's quite interesting to see the development, the things that you struggled with that don't mean anything now. Uh, but they did at the time, right? Or something that means more to you now than it did even a year ago. Absolutely. And during my move to LA, I was putting away some of my journals and I kind of looked through them. And surprisingly, I had I had a journal entry in early 2018. This was before I think I became partner, actually, at my prior law firm. It was way before I started thinking about starting my own law firm. I had a journal entry say my dream law firm and it lists all these characteristics of my dream law firm at that time. And it's exactly what I'm doing right now. No I had no idea. I didn't remember. (laughs) Yes. That is fantastic. Seriously. That is fantastic. I completely forgot about this journal entry. I think you need to go back and grab it and photocopy it and put it on your wall and just, you know, and put it in a frame even and just show yourself what you sort of, I guess, put out into the universe then and your thoughts that have actually come to be true. What's a few Mm -hmm. things off that, that list that you can remember? So it says... But so I have this in front of me right now, actually. It says my law firm will be dot, dot, dot. It's all in bullet points. At home, remote, donating 10% of profits to Ocean Conservation Networks. Sometimes in exotic locations so I can scuba dive and travel while helping wildlife. <laughs> Tailored towards Japanese clients, for the most part, given my strength. Yeah, it will be professional, but honest, minimalistic, and fun. Yeah, so there's all there's others, but these items, it's absolutely on point right now. Perfect. And that is what your new website needs to be based on, to show all of that. <laughs> wow, I love that. That is just really tremendous that you had that visualization or the entry there and you've come back to it and... Wow, I think that's just fabulous to show others what can really be possible in this world. Amazing. Yes. It was before the pandemic, so people were not working remotely or no. at home. So no, that's right. And the you fact that it says it there. 
Wow. Any other pieces of advice then, Monica, for young lawyers or law students who are listening in and would love to hear what you've got to tell them to think about? You already mentioned, you know, checking uh, against many different people, seeking out lots of different advice. Is there something Mm -hmm. else that you could add there, another one or two things? Well, seeking out advice actually kind of leads to my best advice is finding mentors. So say that that's one advice, you know, find a mentor. They are fantastic. Another advice that I would provide, sometimes people don't know what they want to do, but they're scared, you know, to really fully commit. But I would say if you find something you like or you're interested in, do it excessively. You can't kind of tap into it but not fully commit. I would say do it excessively. And if it becomes your passion, great. But if you learn that you don't like it as much as you thought, that's also great because that's self-discovery. And then you can go on to find something else to become obsessed with. Oh, that's so good. Right? You know, put everything into something to really find out if you love it. And if you don't like it so much, it's fine. Find the next thing. And self-discovery, you hit on it. That is great. What good advice. Goodness me. Well, let's wind down our conversation. I always finish the podcast on a lighter note with the final quick fire round. And so the first question is, this is a tough one for you. I know if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I would say Spain. Oh, I live in Spain. Spain. I, I love Spain and the Spanish culture, Latin culture, Spanish. Yes, Spain. Great. I can see you going there in the future and, and running your practice from there, uh, part of the year mm-hmm. at least even, right? Great. I would love that. You're, you're learning Spanish too, so you can uh, be your personable person self uh, with, with people in Spain as well. Wonderful. All right. Um, if you could start a totally different business tomorrow, what would it be? You spoke a little bit about this during the podcast, but tell us a bit more if it's the same thing. We have a business or an NPO dedicated to ocean conservation efforts or and oceanic research. Perfect. So if you were writing a book tomorrow, what would you write it about? <laughs> I would probably write about how important the ocean is for the earth and humanity (laughs) i'm gonna get nerdy about it yes it'll be a beautiful book with lots of pictures so that people would read it and just explain how important the ocean is on the other side of things then if if you listen to podcasts or you read books what have you been reading recently or been listening to so i love reading non-fiction fiction autobiography but i'm gonna answer your question by providing you with my um, favorite podcast. It's called The Huberman Lab by Andrew Huberman, a neurobiologist at Stanford School of Medicine. And he explains the neurobiology and the science of mundane things like sleep, hunger, and he gets into more advanced topics, but it's very accessible. He explains everything in layman terms. 
It's very interesting. And this must be the nerdy scientist family part of me that's loving it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. That's going to be one I'll put on in today's walk when I'm out. And I'll listen to that one, give you some feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. <laughs> yeah. Your favorite saying, is there something you say, like kotowaza or a favorite saying or mantra that you have? Yes, I have a favorite quote by Oscar Wilde, and it is, to live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. What does that mean to you? So I mean, like to really live life instead of just going through the day, you know, oh, I have to work, go to work, just checking off boxes and your obligations at work or family whatever, that's just existing. But with living with a purpose and living, doing things you care about, that's rare. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. Mm, it's really great to hear that, actually. Um, and the final question then is, actually, no, I'm going to ask two more. <laughs> What is uh, a famous person or celebrity you would love to meet or have met if you were given the opportunity to do that? And I've written the person's name down on my piece of paper in front of me. I'm going to see if it's the same one that you say. Oh, my goodness. Is it Sylvia Earle? No. no. It, was, it, was okay. Jacques, it was Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> oh, he is fantastic too. But honestly, my answer to this question was actually going to be something absolutely unrelated to what we talked about i'm just going to become a little teenager my groupy little self for a moment and the person is going to be hyde h-y-d-e the lead singer of larkin cl a rock band that was popular in japan during the 90s and early 2000s <laughs> we did not touch the topic but i love music and he is my he's my god <laughs> I, know, I know who you mean I do know who you mean and that maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's leading to the last question which was something about you that a lot of people don't know and perhaps that's one of the things but is there something else about you that maybe. people don't know we've learned quite a bit about you that maybe not so uh not known to everybody but is there anything else there I think a lot of people don't know that I actually love being a homebody People think that I'm always out and about, active, traveling, and always on the go. But I actually really love staying home too. Gardening, cooking, making artwork, knitting, sewing, and being creative. Perfect. It sounds like you're very well balanced with the going out and being active, right? <laughs> Doing the traveling and everything and also being the other side of you, right? That likes to relax and re-energize and doing different activities at home as well. I hear you on that because I'm pretty similar, actually. Mm, but a lot of people nice. know that. Yeah. I'm quite vocal about that. Well, Monica, we have actually come to the end of the chat today. And I just want to thank you so much for being uh our first, let's see, scuba diving, ocean protecting, LA-based, solo law firm owner guest. How's that? <laughs> oh, that is so nice. Thank you so much. It, was it flew such by. We had a fantastic time. Was, yeah, it was such a pleasure to speak with you and connect in this way. Can people who are listening reach out to you? And how would they do that on LinkedIn or via your email? Uh, people can find me 
through LinkedIn for sure. I have a page for myself and my law firm. And I will have a website by the time this podcast <laughs> airs. Perfect. All right. We'll put all of those into the show notes so people can connect with you and learn more from you and reach out to you, which is really great. And so we'll finish up here. And for all of my listeners, I know you've enjoyed the episode because you're listening right to the end here. And so please do like it. Subscribe to Lawyer On Air. And if you have time, please drop us a review. It really does help Lawyer On Air be seen and heard by more people. Uh, and also you can pop over to my web page and actually leave a one minute voicemail. I love hearing the people actually talking uh, what they thought about the episode that they listened to. So please go ahead, share this episode with someone who you think will enjoy listening to it and be inspired to live a wonderful lawyer extraordinaire life. That's all from me. See you on the next episode. Cheers, come pie and bye for now. Thank you so much for listening today to this episode of Lawyer On Air. I really hope that you were inspired by the story you heard and that you discovered something new about women in the law. Please subscribe to the show so that you don't miss future episodes. And if you can think of even just one person to share this episode with, that would make my day. I invite you to connect with me to talk more. Jump on over to LinkedIn or Instagram where you can find me or send me a message via my website contact page. That's all from me today. I look forward to seeing you right here on the next episode of Lawyer On Air. Cheers, come pie and bye for now.